Growing up in Alaska, all I wanted was to fit in. But being a part of a Sri Lankan immigrant family and living in Alaska was kind of a hard thing to do. Basically, everywhere we went, we stuck out and people were constantly asking us where we were from. Now, around the time that I was in the sixth grade, I was super obsessed with Avril Lavigne. And all I wanted was to be a normal American girl with a super cool skater boy boyfriend. It was around that same time that my parents announced to my sister and I that my grandmother would be moving in with us um, and coming up to Alaska. Now, I was super not excited about the prospect of our grandmother living with us in part because I had only really met her a handful of times and I didn't really feel like I knew her as a person at all. But another part of it was that, to me, my grandmother was a symbol of everything that I was trying to run away from. She was a Sri Lankan woman through and through. There's actually, you know, this really great picture of her um, and it's from many years ago when she first visited us in Alaska and she's, uh, it's during Ferrandi, so she's standing down at Ship Creek in front of some snow sculptures. And she's wearing this big, long overcoat, and she's holding a cane. And underneath her coat, you can see the ends of a sari sticking out. And, you know, that was just who she was. She was the type of person who wanted to assert her Sri Lankan heritage and wear her cultural dress every single day of her life. But for me, all I wanted was to wear tank tops and low-rise jeans every single day, period. So my grandmother comes to live with us, and even though I'm not happy about it, at the behest of my parents, I really try to get to know my grandmother. But for me, this was really difficult. In part, that's because by the time she came to live with us, in Alaska, she was in her mid-80s, and she developed pretty severe dementia. So although she was fluent in English at one point in her life, by the time she came to live with us, her ability to communicate in English had um, started to diminish quite a lot. As a result of this, and because I didn't really speak our family's native tongue, most of my communication with my grandmother became totally nonverbal. Now, fast forward several years and I have just graduated from college and I don't have that skater boy boyfriend, but I do have a boyfriend who's in a band. So I feel like I've basically reached like the pinnacle of coolness. And uh, I'm out with some friends one night and I get a call from my mom. I pick up the phone and she says, your grandmother is in the hospital. She's not doing well and it doesn't look like she's gonna make it. So I drop everything that I'm doing and I rush to Providence and I come into the hospital room and the first thing that my grandmother does is she just cracks a smile. So I'm there with my mom and my grandmother and the three of us are just sort of sitting in each other's presence. And that communication again is, is totally nonverbal. The next day, my mom decides that she needs to go home and get some rest. So I'm in the hospital room alone with my grandmother for a few hours. And it's a February day. 
and there's this really beautiful winter light coming through the window. And my grandmother is laying down on the bed, breathing softly, her eyes are closed. And it's then, in that moment, that I feel this really deep longing to break the silence that's been widening between us. All I know is that I want to say something to her, but I just don't know what to say. At the time, I had been reading Midnight's Children, which is a book by Salman Rushdie. And it's really about the interconnectedness between generations in India and how each generation is informed by all of the people who came before them. So I have the book with me at the hospital and I decide that I'm gonna take it out and start reading out loud to my grandmother. And as I'm reading, there's this one line that really sticks out to me. And it's this line where the character says, to understand me, you'll have to swallow a world. And it's then, as I'm reading out loud to my grandmother and not really even sure if she can hear me, it's then that I realize that she's about to pass on and that all of the stories and all of the multitudes of histories that live within her are about to die with her. So my grandmother passes away and after she passed, I became really determined to go back to Sri Lanka even though I'd never been before and really start to understand the place that she had come from and that my ancestors had come from as well. So I applied to a fellowship program and I moved to Sri Lanka for six months. And it's a really scary process, but I'm there alongside a number of other young Sri Lankans who are on a really similar journey to me. So it's one of the first nights that we're there and I decide that I wanna invite some friends uh, to my apartment building and we're gonna go up to the roof and just hang out. So we buy some cheap beers and we go up to the roof in the middle of the night and we just sit and talk and share our own stories of how we ended up in that place at that time. And we're at this apartment building in this neighborhood called Velabatta, which is a Tamil neighborhood at the very edge of the capital city, right next to the ocean. And as we're sitting up there, we can hear the sound of the waves we're drinking our cheap beer, and we can feel this really beautiful, warm island breeze enveloping us. And as we look up at the stars, and I'm feeling all of these things, I suddenly feel the presence of all of the ancestors who came before me, and all of the people who will come to this same place after I'm gone. And it's in that moment as I'm surrounded by these other young people feeling all of these things that I'm feeling, looking up at the stars, that I think this must be what it feels like to swallow a world.